G'day, how you going? I am the host of the Every Average Man podcast, Dave Robinson. That was a little snippet of uh, One For You and One For Me by The Presets, Presets which I will be um, doing an album review on today. So, straight out the gate, um, I am doing this episode, I'm recording on the iPad. I'm at home today, not in the car, uh, because the kids are at daycare. Normally I'm at work today uh, on a Wednesday, but things are a little bit slow this week, so I'm taking the chance to, um, while I'm home alone, I've kicked the dogs out, got myself set up here, I've got the iPad, I've got the iPhone out as well in case I need to Google anything or bring anything up, and um, I'm going to try it on the iPad at home, see how we go, see if I get a better sound quality or um, if I can, yeah, make an improvement. I think I promised a 50% improvement this week, so we'll see how we go. Um, I listened back to episode one. Uh, along with a couple of friends, got a couple of mates, shout out to Eli, King and Trizzo, uh, two boys had a listen and gave me some feedback and they are both really positive about the feedback man which was awesome, I was kind of especially, I was kind of expecting Eli to roast me a bit, um, he can be brutal sometimes but he was positive man which was really good so I was happy about that, Trizzo is always pretty positive man, I was, um, but he's constructive so I was waiting you know willing to hear anything and, and take anything out of it but they were both really positive so I think they've been kind to me but that's fine it was it was good it was a good little confidence booster for me um, myself I listened back to episode one and the main takeaway I had and I've done it already a couple of times in the, um, this episode I've, I've heard myself caught myself is my ing sounds my going doing thinking I'm not saying them properly I'm, and I must have been doing this for 30 odd years I'm I'm skipping it and and saying doing thinking going and listening back to it it's really funny when you hear your own voice it makes me sound like an idiot it makes me sound fucking dumb fucking I just did it right then fucking dumb so I am dumb maybe that's um yeah, that could be argued but that's fine I don't want to sound dumb so I'm gonna to try to sort that out it's not going to be perfect today that's for sure it's going to take me a little while uh, and the main thing is when I'm concentrating on it is not sounding like a robot when I am saying that I am going to be doing things correctly I have to be thinking about my words yeah I don't want it to come off like that robotic so there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period you'll catch me doing the the en IN sound quite a lot, but I'm gonna work on gonna going to work on on yeah my pronunciation of my words a bit better. I don't want to sound like an idiot. I want it to be difficult to listen to. So that's my main takeaway. I was pretty lenient lenient on myself. Besides that, it's my first one, man. I was sitting in a car, holding the iPhone and nervous, which I am again now. So that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to improve on that. That's my main takeaway. One thing I'll work on for for this week. I'm not going to stack my plate too heavy. But yeah, I, I was happy with the positive feedback. So if I can get the boys to listen on this one again, thanks, dudes. Really appreciated that. So here I am sitting uh, in my living room at home. Got the TV on in the background. Just some Discovery Channel shit on mute, just for something interesting to catch my my eye every now and then. Got the iPad set up on a, a milk crate sitting on top of the ottoman. Um, it's about it's sort of nearly head height. It's 100 mil away from my face. I've done a few test recordings. Uh, I think the sound should be pretty pretty comparable to last week. Hopefully it may be a little bit better. 
Uh, I haven't got a microphone sorted out yet. Uh, so that's going to be something that's going to happen in the next month or so. I'll get a microphone for the for the phone or the iPad, either one, which one, everyone's going to be easiest to hold. But I won't harp on about the uh, the recording process this time. I'll move forward. Um, man, I'm a little bit tired, hey. The kids, the kiddos, uh, two and four, as I mentioned last episode there, man, they have not been sleeping the last month five weeks, something like that, they've been getting up, getting up like like four times, five times a night, like between me and, and my wife, we're up, one sets the other one off, they're grizzly, like you, you expect to get up with my daughter maybe once a night, change a nappy or something like that, but it's just it's three or four times a night at least, and then they're up at 4am, like for the day, between them, at least one of them's up by 4am, and they're like, yep, I'm up, I'm ready to go, what are we doing? So, it's not cool, man, 4am, you know, like I'm trying to, I've just, especially since recently I've heard the, the podcast on, on JRE with Matthew Walker, the sleep expert, about how we need seven to nine hours a night, I thought that six to seven was okay, I was, I was pulling that off, but pulling pulling that off but apparently seven to nine so I've been really pushing hard to get that seven to nine lately and I think I feel better when I get the I haven't got the eight or the nine the last few weeks at all but I've got a few sevens sixes and sevens rather than fives sixes and sevens so I'm I'm getting towards that goal but if these kids let me sleep through man so if they're if they're up at 4 a.m I've got to be in bed by nine to get my seven hours so and they don't go to bed till seven seven thirty. They've got an hour and a half to eat dinner and kick back and write some stuff in my diary. Maybe write some stories down. I'm writing. I'm writing. See, there we go. Writing. It's, it's, it's going to be hard for me to break that habit. But I, I'm writing down funny stories in my diary uh, as of the last week. Sort of don't really have a purpose for them yet. But I felt like these thoughts come in and out of our heads all the time. I'm like anyone else. Sometimes you get these little stories that you create or it's something that happened to you and you put a spin on it or you, you tell the story back to yourself or you tell it to someone else and and they're funny, mate. They're hilarious and I think that's a wasted thought. If that thought comes in my head and I know it's funny and I just think it, no one hears it and it disappears, it's gone forever. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and, and get those thoughts, write them down. Um, hopefully I'll get better at doing that and I can start... I can find a place to put those stories somewhere, get the content out there. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I really don't know what I'm going to do with them at the moment. I'm just I'm just writing them down, and I hopefully did, hope get to get better at the writing process. I'm not too bad at writing. English was my subject back in high school, so I can write things. I can structure a story, and um, hopefully, I'll get better at finding what's funny and how to convey that to other people. I guess I'm going to have going to have to to practice saying the stories in front of people in, in some capacity. So I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm writing those down. I do that in the evenings before bed, you know, and me and my wife would like to watch some some sort of TV show. We're into The Handmaid's Tale at the moment, and if you guys, anyone listening, if you have not seen The Handmaid's Tale, oh, my God, it, it's great, man. It's it's really awesome. It's I think it's uh, if you're in Australia, it airs on SBS. So we watch the SBS iView or Catch Up app, whatever it's called. And uh, it's a it's an American drama. It's based in like a uh, not so distant future, 
could be sort of uh, perceived as current, I suppose, um, alternative sort of uh, future where it seems like the US has had a civil war. You, the, you kind of have to figure out a lot of these de- uh, details yourself when you're watching it. It's based on a book. I'm not sure if the book explains it better, but the the US seems to have had a civil war uh, and this crazy religious group cult uh, has won that has won that war and taken over and there um so i think it was triggered by i think it was triggered by uh fertility rates falling drastically and um this this religious group came about and sort of said that it's to do with the the downfall of mankind's morals and moving away from the the word of the lord and all this sort of jargon so they've they've got this militant military ran uh they got this military run sort of system where they've they've got all the fertile women they've basically uh, kidnapped them split them up from their families and they live in a house with one of the the commanders or these these high up people in this organization and their wife and they're there to to breed to to bear children for them so these these dudes have a ritual where they come into the they come in the room once a month or I, I suppose it's when the the woman is supposedly ovulating and she lays down in the bed with the wife in between the wife's legs and the wife you know stares the husband in the eyes and and this handmade lady lies there while he basically rapes her but she's not allowed to act like it's rape she has to be a part of this ritual ceremony and he's trying to impregnate her and then they they hopefully get pregnant and they have the baby and that baby is then the property of this family and the handmaiden gets passed on to the next family who need to use her body for uh reproduction it's it's fucking crazy and it's really it's really dark and the drama it's really well done it it pulls you in and as crazy as it sounds the way the way they the way they've written it and the the acting's so good that you really believe that people could do that you, you think oh man i can see that side of of humanity i can see people doing that to each other when when their basic foundations of society and the rules have been broken down like that and new rules and a new space has been created i can see how dark certain people some people would be and and they they try and make a People are watching each other, sort of like a North Korea setup. So you're always too too scared, too worried to do anything wrong, or to to you know to to this to keep mutiny and things like that down because people are watching each other, and you never know who's who's gonna uh, it's gonna fuck you over and dob you in. So really good drama, man. We're watching that one at the moment. We're on to season two. I think there's only two seasons out at the moment. I've been binging binge watching a little bit, which for us binge watching means like we'll do one a night max so maybe three or four a week we, we don't sit down and watch you know three or four episodes in a night binge watching for us is like one a night three or four nights a week but we're getting through them and man i'm hooked i haven't watched a series this good in a long time so that's that's filling the gap until game of thrones comes back around <laughs> uh but yeah that's my time in the evening and then i've got to be in bed by nine if i want to get my seven hours so it's, if the kids are going to get up at 4 a.m every day you know 4 a.m that's when i get up to do my to go to the gym i go to the gym before work it, I love it. It's my time to get my head right, pump out, you know, it, it gets my blood flowing, pump out any frustration or anxieties or, or or anything like that I have built up in me. I get that out before I start the day. 
and I go into work with a clear mind, sort of ready to, ready to do work. But it, if I got my if I had my own way, I'd be there five or six days a week, you know, training maybe four days a week, running running or doing circuits or hitting the bag another couple of days a week to get my cardio in. But since we've had kids, especially the second kid, it doesn't happen that much. So I'm lucky to get three gym sessions in a week now. And among one or two running sessions, or maybe a bag, a, a session on the bag, so the heavy bag. So let's just say I get three days a week. You know, I need a couple of days a week where, I'm, where I, I get a little bit of a sleep in because of this this seven hours bloody a night out, seven hours a night I'm trying to hit. So with the kids getting up at four a.m., man, it just fucks us, and it and it. It also that means my wife has to get up at four a.m. So if I'm not going to be there, so if I want to get up and go to the gym on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday, and the kids are up at four a.m., then she's got to get get up at four a.m. and she might not want to get up until five five thirty or something like that. So then it starts causing tension there. So that's been a bit of a prick lately, to be honest. Oh, I just I don't know, mate. I don't know what you do. You just got to ride it out. Try and get these little bastards to stay in their beds for a bit longer. So there's that happening, uh, yeah. But you know, it is what it is, mate. We'll we'll figure it out with them. And at least I got a little bit of time off this week. I can catch up on some sleep if I want to. That's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. I don't sleep during the day. I'm just saying it, positive thinking. But it gives me a chance to do a few other bits and pieces anyway. So sorting out, we're sorting out a um, well, a new car loan at the moment. We've got to get rid of the old. The old beast, which we didn't want to get rid of, it's going to be basically the wife's car is, we're going to own that by uh, sort of start of next year sometime and be really have no outstanding debts to keep us free, financially free, so we can make some changes and and follow our heart the next few years. But this car's given us a little bit of grief, so we're, we're going to get rid of it. <laughs> Get something new. We've got a good bargain on another car we're going to get, so we're going to have to sort of do a bit of refinancing there, which is, yeah, it is what it is. I think it's going to work out uh, for the best in the long run, reshuffle a few things, and it's going to free up a little bit more money in the in the interim, in the short term for us, which is good because i got the old boy's 70th coming up uh, this month, two weeks, week and a half now, going down to the city, down to Perth, for uh for my dad's seventieth, which is gonna be great. We haven't seen them for three months since we got to port back up to port for our second stint. So yeah, you know, it's good to have a break from family. It's gonna be great to see them too. Um get the kids catching up with their cousins and, and nanny, poppy, nana pa, uncles, aunties, all all that kind of thing. Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to catching Catching up with the old boy for his seventieth, having a drink, having a laugh. He's got a band. He's got a band around there, and be, I think I think they're getting catering done as well. So it should be a nice cruisy uh, evening, and we'll have a few drinks together. Um, I haven't let my hair down. Have a few drinks for about five six weeks now. I had a big one with some friends up here in Headland, and with the kids, they got the kids the same age. And we all had a big bit of a blowout on a Saturday night. It was a 3am sort of bedtime, which means you're up at 5am anyway. The kids were mercilessly slept in a little bit longer that day because they'd been up late themselves. But man, that we were up and that wrecked us for a week. I'm 35 now. I can't pull, you know, all-nighters or near all-nighters and get up early the next day, get on with it and then recover. It just doesn't happen. It took me a damn week. So I've been a bit gun shy. I'm not a big drinker anyway. I drink casually. I like to drink just to to 
relax and, and kick back. But you know, I'm I'm ready to have a little bit of a uh, a blowout again with the old boy and the family there. And we've got babysitters for that night and the next, you know, grandparents to help out for the next day. So that's going to be cool, man. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and the brother Eli King, you might be coming. Uh, he might be coming. Uh, down to to catch up as well, so that'll be cool. A couple of birds with one stone there. Got the old boys seventieth, and then got some people coming up to visit visit us visit us up here. My sister and brother in law, their kids. We're going to go out camping with them, and then it'll be the little man's birthday. And then after that, my wife's thirtieth, going to Bali. We're hitting up Bali, um, doing the the villa this year. So we've never done the villa before. Got a few people, still trying to lock down a couple of people on definites, but it looks like we've got a, a good little crew coming over, got an awesome villa lined up, uh, you know, with a, a couple of pools there, some great outdoor areas, I think room for 14 people, somewhere around that, and you get your own, yeah, your, your chef and that, who comes and cooks your breakfast in the mornings, mate, it's going to be real, real great time over there, kick back, um, like I said, we've never done the villa, so we're looking forward to it because uh, we've never done it with just us, our own family, with just me and Em's, or me, or me the wife, me the wife and the kids. Just because uh, I feel like it would just be, wouldn't be feel like a holiday being over there and and having uh, no one around, just being in the backyard, swimming in the the pool on your own. It kind of seems antisocial. I like kicking around the pool at the hotels and meeting people and and picking up the vibe from around there and and. It just makes it feel more like a holiday. So having a few, having a few of us there, is uh, gonna we're going to be able to get that vibe, and we've got the full kitchen set up there, so we'll be able to make our own cocktails at home and things like that, uh, hang out there, and then hopefully wear the kids out during the day, get the nannies around in the evening, and then head out for a few drinks and then some dinner and some adult time, which I'm really looking forward to, to be honest. So the nannies over there, if you've never. Uh, if you if you've never had nannies, we would never have one over here in in Australia. I mean, you, you have a babysitter every now and then, I suppose, or you, you get the grandparents to help out and babysit. But we tried the nanny out for the first time over in Bali uh, in February this year, and man, it was it was awesome. We were, we were a bit gun shy and nervous to to do it at first. Feel like oh, leaving our kids with a stranger, but it comes from a reputable and and uh, well recommended company that's australian owned they use the the nannies over there it's ridiculous it's about 35 dollars for five hours i think it was and then you know five dollars or seven dollars an hour for every hour after that so you can have them there for six seven hours go out for the whole night it's going to cost you fifty dollars the kids love the the balinese nannies they're they're really good with them and uh, they just, you know, they come to the hotel room or the villa in this case. They look after them, uh, and the kids are ready for bed by by that time of the evening anyway. And the adults can go out. They bath them, feed them, put them to bed. We can go do our own thing, come home, and and have and hopefully the the kids are sleeping. That's the plan. And then we can, uh, yeah, get ourselves down to bed, wake up, and do it all all again the next day. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, looking like we're going to get a good crew of people over there too. So pumped for that the big 30th uh ems ems that's my wife um sort of was the main instigator in organizing my 30th which was uh las vegas went over to vegas um vegas yosemite national park san francisco drove down the coast to we drove everywhere but from san francisco drove down the coast to la did two just two weeks over there but it was a powerhouse packed two weeks where we you know 
there was no seven to nine hours sleep sleeping going on <laughs> over there, man. It was four to five hours every night, uh, high action packed before pre kid. This was so just a, a great holiday, mate. Me, me, my wife, the the best friend Eli, as I mentioned earlier, he, he was over there with us running amok, and um, it was a real big, big week or big couple of weeks. And I feel like it's her turn turn around now. It's we we do have kids, so the life's a little bit different. We won't be going to Las Vegas or anything like that. Kids will be coming with us. We don't want to leave them behind. You want them there to really enjoy yourself. You want the kiddos around. You know, you start feeling guilty. After we, the longest we've we've never left the daughter uh, anywhere. The longest we've left our boy before my daughter was born was I think two nights. We went to Melbourne for the UFC, uh, which I spoke about on the last podcast, and. As as fun as it was, and as good a time that we had, you feel guilty that you know the little ones not being there. They're so young, so we want them around with us. We just want to be able to have someone look after them for a few hours in the evening, so we can get out and do our thing. But um, yeah, this will be, I think, uh, uh, for this time of our life, this stage of our life, this is going to be a good. A good hookup for the 30th over in Bali, which is a two-hour flight from Port Hedland here, which is another thing you have to think about with the kids. Uh, even from Perth, it's a four-hour or three-and-a-half-hour flight, so Bali is just perfect. Two hours on the plane, I can keep the kids uh, uh, busy for, for two hours. If we can't get them to have a nap, we can, I can keep them busy with you know downloading Netflix content on the iPad and just chatting and playing with them. Two hours is easy enough. It's, it starts to get a bit dicey after that time period, so they're, they're pretty good in the... Like in the seat in the cars, we drive long distance regularly, so an hour and a half to two hours in a, in a car is something that they're used to. I think two hours is going to be pretty cool from here to, to Bali, mate, and uh, especially with my boy. He's at that age now I can chat to him and get him to look out the window and see what's happening and, you know, tell him we're, we're going on holiday, mate. You know, we're in a big plane. It's going to be cool being Bali soon and that sort of stuff gets him vibing out too. So the daughter will be the harder one. She's not going to understand what's happening, you know, but... That's cool, mate. We'll figure it out. Two hours is between two of us. We'll we'll we'll, we'll nail that. So I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. That's September, so it's still a little bit, a little while away. But like I said, the seventieth this month, and we've got family coming to visit us the month after. And then August will be the boys' birthday, so we're flat packed until that happens. New car somewhere in between there as well. So I'm excited, mate. We've got a few things on the got a few things on the horizon. Um, yeah, it's going to make this end of this year really, I mean, the start of this year rolled out quickly. It's going to make the end just just pump along. Uh, I'm going to move right on now to the UFC recap. We had the UFC 225 on the weekend. I did my picks for it uh, on the previous podcast, and I was probably, <laughs> it was up and down. I didn't do, I didn't have a uh, a great percentage run on that. Uh, it was might might have been fifty fifty or maybe sixty forty in favour of me getting them wrong, but uh, I think I'll just recap the the top three fights. Start well, it started off good for the Australians. Uh, we had who were the Australians on the card? The Australians were tied to Avasa, Megan Anderson, and obviously Robert Whitaker. And it started tied to Avasa. I will just breeze over that one. He he got the win. Didn't get the knockout as I thought that he would. Um, I believe I said Arlovsky had a suspect chin at heavyweight there, but it held out. It really it held out. I might have been incorrect saying that. He, he wasn't there for the overhand right. A lot of good movement. It was a competitive fight. Tai Tuovasa showed that he's got a gas tank for three rounds at least. 
Uh, he didn't get frustrated. He stayed in there. He's, he's going to learn a lot from that fight, fighting a vet like uh, like Arlovsky. And he got the win, did his shoey. Rogan wouldn't give him his shoe, but he found one from someone in the crowd there. Did his shoey, which is fast becoming a bit of a, a, a thing of legend over in the States. They see the Aussies doing the shoey. I think that Ty Tuvas is the one that introduced them to it. I um, personally, man, I'm not, I'm not into shoeys. I think it's a younger generation thing. That people have been doing them at, uh, doing them at festivals and and shit like that. I hear, but I don't. I've never been around for a shoey in the flesh. I've seen them. I've heard about people doing them, but it's not. I don't think that's a. It's it's a tradition of the younger crew. I think, and the whole spitting in the shoe. Oh, far out. That seems like that could be dropped. We could move past that for sure, but. It's a good little, uh, yeah, I don't know, gimmick. The, the Yanks are, seem to be sort of r- rolling with it. But I, just, I think we could leave the spitting in the shoe bit out. I think that's not helping it at all. But Taito Vasa got his win, did his shoey. Um, it was, that was what would have been the second fight on the main card. Obviously, we had the CM Punk and Mike Jackson fight, which was just a shit show. I'm not even going to bother about that one. Uh, and then we have Megan Anderson... Versus Holly Holm, and I picked. I didn't really know. What, I didn't really know where to go with this one. I think I said Megan Anderson was a jiu-jitsu based fighter. I believe that's incorrect. I think she's more of a striker. I haven't actually seen her because we can't view Invicta fights where she's been fighting um, live, or, or I don't think there's a platform to view those over here. So I've only seen a few highlight clips of her on YouTube, um, and just what I'd been speaking to a few of my friends who are also MMA freaks. About and that's the information I had. I was wrong. I think she's more of a striker and perhaps can manhandle other other women on the ground because she's so big. She's just massive. They were alluding to the fact that she looked like a friggin' avatar. I think it was perfect description, especially because her skin was nearly blue. She was bloody so white, so white, so big. She's massive. She's a legit featherweight. She looked huge. She came in looking good with some knees and some good striking on the outside. Looked like she might have Holly in a little bit of trouble. Holly quickly adjusted and put her game plan to work, which was to get her up against the fence, do work there. She's strong in that clinch against the fence. She, she's a smaller woman, but you can just see the power in her physique and her body. And she'd get Megan up against the fence, go to work, take her down, which, again, I don't know if she's even attempted one takedown in her previous uh, UFC fights. She she took her down every single round in this one and rode her out uh, and was working on the ground. Working on the ground was, was doing doing good uh, work, controlling, good strikes, ground and pound, and just completely dominated Megan Anderson. So great work by Holly. I do love Holly. I wanted I wanted the Australian to win. Um, I wanted to see something special out of her as well. I really like, you know, we all love to see the, the Conor McGregor, the, the John Jones, you know, you, you know these, these freak athletes that, that come through and can take a division by storm and there's got that magic about them. I was hoping to see something like that from Megan Anderson. To be honest, I don't think I did. I saw a big, strong girl who, if with the right training and more high-level competition, can build up into a top competitor. I don't think there's any magic there at this, you know, at this stage. I've only seen one fight of her now. She got dominated on the floor. She was out of her comfort zone, but there wasn't a magic pop there. Um, she got dominated. Holly Holmes, great. She's a great lady by all accounts, by you know by what you see of her and in her interviews and whatnot. And 
I was happy for her to get the win. Uh, it sets up a good fight between her and Amanda Nunez, which is, which will be great. Uh, I think she's the only person in the bantamweight division that's going to be able to knock Nunez off at the moment. So that's a good fight, great fight. Good to see who gets to fight Cyborg next. Um, I'd kind of be rooting for Holly to win the Nunez fight, but uh, to be honest, I'd rather see Nunez fight Cyborg. I think her style matches up better with Cyborg. She's also a big, strong, powerful striker. Personally, I think Cyborg can do it and get through it, but I'm 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 really uh, I'm over doubting Amanda Nunez after what I've seen from her. You know, she's been a while since she's lost, and she gets better all the time. She's confident. She believes in herself. She can knock anybody out. Uh, so I think the Cyborg Nunez fight's more interesting, but I'll still be going for Holly in that in that fight. Just I, I like her, and I think she's got the style to beat Nunez as well. She can stay out of the way of the power punches and pick her off from the outside. Counter striker, so Holly looked great. She dominated. Um, oh, and yeah, no cyborg next for for Megan Anderson. I think we that, that probably goes without saying. But no cyborg next for for Megan. She needs a few more fights under her belt. If she's if she beats any other featherweights, if they can come up with any other featherweights, and she beats her, that might be inevitable anyway. But definitely not next. She needs another year or two of of competition and experience before she's ready to cross that bridge. Uh, uh, moving on to Colby, man, I mean, I'm more, I wasn't alone on this one being surprised and underestimating Colby Covington. I thought he's more of a mouthpiece with some good wrestling and sloppy striking. I thought that he would shoot for takedowns, um, and if he did land him, I thought he'd just grind out boring decision with top control. Uh, it didn't really go like that. He came out of the gate like like a bull out of the gate rushed Dos Anjos, hit him with some big strikes early, kept the pressure on him, and it wasn't just boring pressure holding him against the fence and nullifying Dos Anjos. It was it was nullifying Dos Anjos's offense, but really mounting his own together consistently the whole way through, just piling the punches on, punch, 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 mixing his take-ups well. When he got him down, it was good ground and pound. As soon as Dos Anjos would get up to his feet, Kobe would be stuck on him like glue and just relentless. No big punches, nothing to knock you out, but just constant in your face. Stick, 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 stick. I think the commentators were, were comparing him to a, a, a Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz style, I would say. Yeah, possibly a little bit of that, but I think Brendan Shaw uh, uh, f- from below the belt hit it more accurately when he, when he compared him to... Cain uh, Velasquez, without the same crisp boxing, but more more that kind of style, come forward, constant pressure, throwing the hands, just stifling Dos Anjos' uh, offense altogether. And some people were arguing for a closer fight or maybe a few more rounds or you know, to, to Dos Anjos, but it wasn't, mate. It wasn't like that. I liked Dos Anjos. I wanted him to win. I wanted him to shut this kid's mouth. didn't happen. He's got his game shut down. He couldn't get his offense off. He got frustrated and worn out and tired. And and it was Colby's night. He looked great. He showed us. It was one of those fights where you not think you don't think or you're not sure if somebody's uh, ready for it. Like when they gave, uh, what's the other dude? The bantamweight, Cody Garbrandt to to Dominic Cruz, and and none of the, you know, none, no one, myself included, nobody thought that. He had the skills to do it. He was a knockout puncher. He doesn't really go past the first round. How's he going to hang with Cruz for five rounds? And then he goes in and, and sort of picks Cruz apart. And I mean, it was a clear, I wouldn't say domination, but it was a clear-cut win for, for, Card- for Cody Garbrandt. So sometimes you give these kids, kids, these younger dudes, 
uh, a huge test. You might think it's too much for him. Sometimes it proves to be. Sometimes they come out and it's their coming out party. This was Colby Covington's coming out party. Really don't like what the guy stands for. He, he's... He's trash talking, and I'm not a guy that dislikes trash talking. I love Chael Sonnen. He's one of my favourite fighters because of his trash talking. He didn't really have that great of a style, sort of similar to a Cody, but but uh, Colby, but but more uh, more just grand, like holding people down sort of um, style. But his trash talk was great. I love Conor McGregor. I love his fighting style, but I love his brashness and his trash talking as well. But you've got to have charisma to to go with it to make it likable. And I think that's what that Colby is missing. He's got the trash talk, yeah, he's he's making headlines, he talked his way into this fight, and then he showed up and did what he needed to do to make the most of it. But his trash talking, it, it just it, it just seems like a, like a real douchebag, an American jock, you just want to punch him. And I think that it's most people feel that way about him. So it, it's, it, it, it's working, I can't say it's not working, but it makes you not like him, and it makes me not like him. And hard to get behind him, but hey, he's gonna. At least he showed us he's not a boring fighter, um, and I'm all for it now. I think that that Colby versus Tyrone is going to be a uh, a good fight. Not so. I don't think it's going to be good as in as in competitive. I think Tyrone smokes him. I still think he doesn't have the tools to beat Tyrone because that wrestling and that pressure, wrestling and that pre- pressure, isn't going to. Fly with with Tyrone one. He's gonna he can clip you coming in. He can clip you when you're on the inside. His wrestling's as good, if not better. Strong, powerful. I mean, if you could wear him down, possibly if you if you, that pressure game worked on him. I just don't see that pressure game working on Tyrone. So interesting fight. I think Tyrone smokes him, but I think it's a good fight because the build up would be great. The trash talk would be great. These guys don't like each other at all. I think that's genuine. They're going to pump it up to 11 because they're trying to sell the fight, trying to sell the fight. I keep catching myself doing the the slang, trying to, trying to, trying to sell the fight. But uh, I think they, they genu- genuinely don't like each other and it's going to be a good fight, good build up. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to that one. Um... And it was good. Colby didn't slap Rogan. That was good, also. So he kind of let that one just. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He pushed hard. He pushed hard with that. He let that go, which was great. Rogan got in there, chatted to him. It wasn't weird. And that brings us to the main event, which was Whitaker versus Romero. And I'm not sure if when I when I dropped this uh, the first episode. I don't think that Romero had missed weight at that stage or I wasn't aware of it. So he ended up missing weight, therefore it wasn't a title fight. title wasn't on the line for him, which was a weird situation. So if he had beat uh, Whitaker, he would have remained... Whitaker would have remained champion, but Romero would have beat him. So that would have been fucked for the division, really. It would have been fucked for Romero, it would have been fucked for Robert. No one wants that. But he didn't beat him. It went five rounds, five great rounds, and it went the opposite to how I uh, how I called it. Whitaker started really strong. His jab was great, sharp, good movement. Started with those uh, oblique kicks to the top of the thigh, or top of the knee, should I say, that Romero busted him up within the first fight. He dropped a lot of those, which was good distance keeper, good jab, good straight down the middle work, great footwork. And he was really picking Romero off. Romero had nothing for him. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if he was just trying to uh, save his gas tank or what his what his deal was. But he he didn't have much offense those first couple of rounds. And Whitaker really just picked him apart and looked like he was 
going to win fairly handily. Then the third round came and it was just a war. I'd love to love to watch that round again. Unfortunately, I streamed it on Fight Pass. I, uh, there's no replays on that, so I'm going to have to wait till that comes out. You know, just on the general Fight Pass library to, to have another look at, a look at that one. But it was a great round. Uh, Romero exploded like we said he can do. He popped out the gate. Uh, he, he popped out. With, with some explosive movement, caught Whitaker, busted him up, man, and looked like Whitaker was done for, but he showed the, the true heart of a champion, which is, you know, that's what you want to see from your champions. You want to see, like, your John Jones, where he gets, you know, caught in, ar- in an armbar by Vitor Belfort, or he's getting busted up by Gustafsson, and you want to see them bite down, really dig deep, and come out with it, and not fade once things aren't going their, going their way. And, and Whitaker showed us that. Man, he was tough. It was back and forth round that one. Fourth round and fifth round was sort of really mostly Romero. He would he would absorb what offense uh, Whitaker put out, and then he would explode and catch Whitaker with these big shots, and it kept looking like he was going to finish it. So a lot of people calling for uh, either a draw or possibly even a win for Romero, but I disagree. I think Whitaker won the fight. That's how I like I said I haven't watched it back again, and I'm, I'm biased for him. My heart was with Whitaker. But I believe it looked like he controlled the fight. When you when you look at the fight as a whole, I believe Whitaker won the fight, controlled the fight. Yes, he got caught a few times. So you could argue a 10-8, 10-8 round. Uh, I think round five could be a 10-8 for Romero. And then you could give two rounds to... No, you'd give one, two, and three to to Whitaker. You could give four to Romero, and then you could give him a ten eight in the fifth, which would 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 call for a draw. But obviously, I'm happy with the result. I don't think that Romero definitely did not win the fight. Um, yeah, but I couldn't argue if it was a if it was a draw. There's definitely an argument there for that. But man, he showed toughness to to hang on, and he but you know he. Romero was the more physic, uh, visibly busted up fighter with that eye, you know, busted clothes off some great jabs, and and uh, it really was more just a few explosions that caught Whitaker, and then a bit of follow up sort of work. But after those initial explosions, that had Whitaker in trouble, but he didn't have the energy to to finish him, and and Whitaker showed good heart, good defense to hold on, and, and I ground out the win. I believe he won, and what would a draw do anyway? Whitaker would still be your champ. It, it it would just be messy. It's a shit shit show. Uh, Romero didn't make the weight. wasn't able to make the weight. The commission stopped him apparently two hours before weigh in time, which is pretty shit because he only missed by two ounces, and he probably would have been able to make those two ounces. But that's what happened. That's the the situation we had to deal with. And I think that in a close fight like that, where Whitaker showed the overall better game plan, the overall. I think he had the overall skill set to win that fight. Got caught a few times, but survived. I think he won, won the fight. I think the judges giving it to him is the best case scenario. So, uh, I mean, that was UFC 225. It was awesome. It, it was awesome, mate. I, yeah, the whole card, as predicted, was stacked from top to bottom and really, uh, really s- sort of came through with the goods. Rashad Evans, I think, announced his retirement, which is great. He got knocked out. Just, I mean, he just... Oh, I love Rashad, man. He's, he's a legend. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he just does has not looked like he should be in there the last few fights, and especially this time. I mean, lackluster, slow, sort of had his head in, in just the worst position, and, and old mate 
just need him into oblivion and, and it was horrible to watch and I'm glad it's the last one. I wish he didn't, he, he didn't go out like that. It's the last one. I think he's got other things, you know, other stokers in the fire, so he should be okay. Just, just time to walk away, dude. Um, so that was uh, UFC 225. It was awesome. It was great. Moving on from that, uh, a little bit of news this week for for Port Hedland is we've got the Northwest Fest. A lineup was announced on uh, Monday. I believe it is August 25th to 26th. Let me get the poster up. This is where my phone comes in handy. Recording on the iPad. I've got the phone here. I can jump on here and pull this poster up. Northwest Festival. August 25th to 26th, so it's over two days at the Civic Centre Gardens, which is literally a five-minute walk from my house. Straight down the coast, there's a garden uh, park at the Civic Centre, which is on the water. The water's sort of, you know, it's at the top of the hill on the water's edge. Beautiful location, big palm trees covering the whole grassed area, looking out over the ocean. It's going to be an awesome spot. Not sure where the stage will be set up there. It's not going to pack a lot of people in, but it's a great spot. And the lineup is, we had this, this Northwest Festival started in, 2012, um, with a huge lineup. Off the top of my head, it was headlined by the Hilltop Hoods. You had the Cat Empire, Kingswood, uh, Regurgitator. Oh, there was a few other good bands there. Great, it was a great lineup, massive. They had that down at the the turf club, which is down where the the, the horse race, um, the horse racing is. And so it was during the off center, off season. Sorry, the big, uh, big grass patch, sort of in the middle there. That was all set up, and that was awesome, mate. That was a, that was the first one they did. It was a huge event. That was when the town was was sort of a bit more. Uh, it was pumping a bit more back then. In 2012, it wasn't middle of the boom, but the boom was still alive. Uh, the boom sort of ended 13, 2013, 14. Things have been quiet in town since then, and I believe the Northwest Fest has been going every single year. So that's cool. It's got smaller and smaller. Uh, I, I believe it used to be a three-day event. It used to be the Friday evening, the all-day Saturday, and then there was a few smaller bands kicking around on the Sunday as well. People would come into town. There's free camping at the venue for people who come in from town to town for that weekend. And now we're down to about four, one, two, three, four major bands and, and some local artists. Uh, it's still over a two-day uh, period, so I'm thinking, yeah, festival and Sunday sundowner. So I guess there's maybe one act on a Sunday just in the evening as the sun goes down, probably over a long weekend, I'd say. The headliners are going to be, well, let's start a bit lower. We've got Abby May. Hands Like Houses, Shepherd, and Bliss and Esso, the boys. So that's going to be awesome, mate. I, I I think I've seen Bliss and Esso once in 2010. That was at a big day out on one of the big stages where it's hard sometimes for those hip-hop groups to keep their, for their sound not to get lost uh, on a big stage. This is still outside, so they still might struggle a little bit, but it'll be, I believe it'll be a smaller stage, a smaller area. Uh, that should be awesome. Um I took it upon myself to send some emails to these guys on their Facebook pages or through Messenger and and um, through the Instagram DM to a couple of members of the band to try and tee up an interview 
with some of these guys. Uh, I have no business whatsoever doing that. This is my second episode of the podcast. I don't have any listeners yet. And I'm, well, this one's not in my car, but at this stage I haven't found out a, a, a decent replacement for the uh, doing the podcast on my phone in the car. But I just couldn't let the opportunity go by. I thought, look, they're coming into town. Uh, I'll I'll hit these these guys up. I hit up the guys from Hands Like Houses and uh, Bliss and Essa. I didn't hit hit up Shepherd as I, I mean I, I had to Google them to find out who they were. Listen to a few of their tracks. I know them from the songs they've been playing on Triple J, but it's not my kind of music. It's pop music and sort of I think they're a big band, like six or seven members. You know, and I thought that. I've got nothing to ask them, nothing to talk about. That might be a little bit weird. The guys from Hands Like Houses, which is like a hardcore metal band, seen a bit more on my level. I don't mind some of their tracks. Um, you know, they're still sort of up and coming, so I thought there might be a chance that they'd come and speak to me. I threw it out there. Hey, I haven't had any response yet, and if they do respond to me, I will have to figure out... I have to get my shit together, man, and find out a better place to do this podcast, whether I use somebody's uh, house, use a room at someone's house in a, in a study or something and get the computer set up with the microphones and everything. It would give me some motivation to get my shit together and get that really sorted out. Uh, uh, but I figured, look, I, I, if you build it, they will come type of thing, you know. Let's just ask them. If they get back to me and they say they, that they're keen to do it, hey, man, I'll make it fucking work. Don't don't, don't worry about that. Uh, and also... Uh, messaged via their Facebook Messenger, the um the uh Facebook page for Bliss and Esso. Gave them a little spiel about being a sort of community vibe based uh, podcast in town that I've been a fan since two thousand and eight Woodstock album. Uh I'd love to speak to one or, or any of the members of the band, uh the group, sorry, and, and they would be that would be ideal to get any, any of those guys in mate I, I i love their music i know a lot about their music i feel like i'd have a lot in common to speak and vibe out with those guys about uh, and um i also dm'd on instagram which i had to even google how to do i've never dm'd anybody on instagram before uh so because i follow him on his own separate page and yeah no one's written back to me man that's cool i even said that in my emails i understand if this isn't something you guys are interested in uh, just keep doing what you're doing, peace out, type of thing. But, man, I had to take advantage of, of, of the opportunity. If it's there, hell, throw the bat signal out. If someone answers it, fucking cool. That's wicked. And like I said, I'll make it work. I'll get shit together. Nothing motivates. I'm, I'm a bit of a last-minute sort of – I'm the guy that used to cram study for my, my exams. And, you know, when a project's due, I don't start till two or three days out. And that pressure really makes me kick into gear. So if they were, someone was to get back to me and say, yeah, sure, such and such would like to come on the podcast – um, they'd be coming into it blindly because if they went onto the podcast app and listened to me, uh, they'd realise I'd only had one episode out and it was done on, a, on, a, on an Apple phone when I hit them up. But fuck it, I cold called, cold called them. If someone gets back to me, sweet, I'll get my shit together uh, and I'll make it look semi-professional by the time they get here, man. So fucking, yeah. Hey, you only live once, man, you don't try. You know, what did I say last time? You can't expect the extraordinary if you don't do anything out of the ordinary. So there you go. That's me having a crack. And um, what I will do as well is once they announce the local bands who are going to be playing, I'll definitely get hold of some of those guys. And I reckon I'd pro- you know, you'd be mad not to. If, if you're a local band, this is a local-based uh, 
podcast. I'm going to get some fucking listeners before then, mate. I'm going to this of uh, this episode right now. I will blast out on my social media, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and the local pages and things like that. I didn't with episode one because that really was just a uh, uh, um, fixing the sort of sorting out some of the bugs, getting my getting my confidence up, getting it off the ground, just putting one, getting one in the bag. Like I said, I had a couple of good friends listen to it and critique me on it. Now, to make this a real thing, this episode, I have to, I just got to get it out there, tell people, you know, to, to listen where they can find it and things like that. I'll build up at least a, a, a core listener group of people that I know and I can harass to, to make sure they check out the, the podcast and listen. So for a local band, hell, you've been given a chance to play at the Northwest Fest alongside Bliss and Esso and Hands Like Houses and, and, and Abby May. Uh, then come on the podcast, get your name out there, get your voice out there. That would also increase my listener base by getting their friends and their local following to to listen to listen in and give me something to shout out and put um, and 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 throw out on social media saying got such and such from this local band who'll be playing at Northwest Fest on the podcast. So it's just all it's all content, man. It's all content. It's moving in the right direction. I think that's something that's definitely going to happen. Like I said, I'm reaching for the stars, man. Hit the big, the big wigs up, and uh, they've they've gone radio silent on me, which is cool. I'm not upset about it, but you got to take the opportunities when they come. So yeah, there's me being brash, throwing it out there, throwing myself out there, man. Um, speaking of music, uh, I've got my album review to do, and this is the album I've reviewed is the presets. Hi Viz, it was the feature album of the week on Triple J last week, I was listening to it at work and then I, I threw it on as my gym album for a few days in a row and then I've just recently gone through track by track and written out a little bit of a, a, a review on each track as it goes down, t- trying to tie it all in together and I'll, it's fairly quick and basic, this one, this was a last minute sort of podcast idea I, I, I threw together today, I said I was going to be releasing these on a Sunday, this will be released earlier and I'll do another one this weekend, so there'll be two put out this week, content, 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 and this one is, yeah, I thought, fuck it, man, I've been listening to this album, I'll, uh, I'll review this one now, I won't go too far into detail with it as it is last minute and this is the first album review, I'm going to build on all these skills, you know, I'm going to start putting the segments and things together a little bit better and this, um, same with the, the album reviews, they'll get better, they'll get more in depth, especially if it's an album I'm really, really loving, loving on, so, but here's a quick little album review, just a... Um, yeah, keep my promise mate, I said I'll be doing an album review on the next podcast and here I am. So High Viz by Presets, interesting album cover art. They're like it looks as if you're underneath a glass uh, window, looking up, and the two dudes are like, I, I believe there's just two of them, and Kim and Julian, I think, f- sort of face down, squashed, either passed out or dead on this piece of glass. Uh, with a bunch of looks like kids' toys and and mess and shit all all around them, which was kind of quite ironic because uh, that's kind of how my me and the wife have been feeling lately. I can imagine if we fell down, passed out on the floor, and the floor was glass, and you had a camera underneath with all kids' toys and shit around us, and stuck in our hair and intertwined around our arms and legs and shit, and tired, just passed out in the fucking spot because the kids have got us fucking run ragged. So I had a little bit of a giggle about that, um, and. Straight into the track list, I guess. First track, let me just have a little sip of my uh, fluid here. Thanks. Righto. First track is Knuckles. 
It's like a, it's got a broken beat, uh, broken beat, kind of heavy on the synth, with a, a computer game type vibe to it. Maybe like an eighties or nineties com- computer game type vibe to it. Um, a lot of a lot of vocals by I believe it's Julian the made the, the lead singer. Uh, a lot of vocals by Julian. On this one, which moves straight into Do What You Want, the second uh, album on the track. I like this album. I like this track, sorry. More of a rhythmic beat rather than the broken, sort of weird, synthesized drum beat on the first album. Uh, it's still synth drum beat, but it's more more rhythmic. Uh, I guess the, the foot tapping and the tapping and the head nodding. Um, yeah, rolling bass line that's continuous through the back. Through the, through the background, and again, the it's got computer style vocals. Like he's gone th- singing through like a voice, voc- what is it called? A vocoder, voice coder, vo- vocoder, I think. Eli will be screaming at the the screaming at the phone or his iPad when he when he listens to this. I'm sure he knows what what, what I'm talking about. I'm going to call it a vo- vocoder. It sort of makes your voice sound computerized when you sing into it. You're singing through one of those by the sounds of it. Um, plenty of synth and background noise, shit happening all over the place in the background. Good gym track this one with the with the constant upbeat um, drum and and bassline rolling rolling through. Brings us to the third track, which is Martini. It's like a fast paced dub style beat uh, in this one. Um, Sorry, not dub, trap. Fast-paced trap-style beat in this one. So it's a bit more stripped back than the other than the, the first two traps. Tracks. Uh, it's I'd, I'd call it more of a club track. It starts to build as it progresses. A few more sounds coming in. The rhythmic uh, bass line and uh, starting to take over. So not so much of a trap beat as it as it continues on. More of the same synth, heavy on the synth. Yeah, and it builds into a, a, a more rhythmic beat which then rolls into to Beethoven track four uh, more of the same really uh, says here roll, rolls on from Martini quite nicely it gets that dum 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 bass line and, and, and drum beat going and that rolls straight into to Beethoven uh, good running track this one reminds me a little bit of uh, the same type of beat and bass line as uh, Zoo that dum dum or Dead Mouse, one of those type of uh, EDM type tracks where it really just rolls on rhythmic. You can lose yourself into it if you're not thinking about the track, the the the, the vocals, the singing, and and stuff too much. That keeps rolling, and then you mixes up a little bit in the fifth track, Downtown Shutdown, which is a sort of a radio style anthem. You've got a choir singing the chorus. It starts with the chorus, Downtown Shutdown, and that sort of. Uh, and then your beat drops and comes in from there. Uh, it starts with a few simple hooks on the keyboard and the drums, the drum machine, I should say, and some synth. And then those start to build up and start to layer them on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other, and build each each section up till till um, it gets to a more full sound with those with those um, radio style. Anthem vocal, like the choir style anthem vocals coming in uh, all the way through on the chorus. Uh, by this stage, I really got the impression it's very much an album album. I believe this album's uh, supposed to be put on at track one, 
and just let it play. It's not really a jump through. Oh, this track, this track, I like this track, and it's gonna sound. It's going to sound like uh, high vis. Every track on high vis is gonna sound like it's a track from high vis. It's not gonna sound like it was off one of their previous albums. So it's gonna it's going to tie itself together for better or for worse like that. Um, which gets us to one, two, three, four, five, six. I should have numbered these tracks. Six out of your mind. Uh, from this track, I got an old school Calvin Harris meets Mark Ronson vibe. Uh, call me crazy. I'm not listening to the track right now, so I don't know why, but that's what I have written down. Old school Calvin Harris meets Mark Ronson. Uh, and not much development. Pretty much the first 30 seconds of the track is what you're going to get all the way through on that one. Gets us to Tools Down. Duck Sauce by Barbara Streisand. That's what I've got written down for that track. I, yeah, remember that track, and that's the vibe you, you get from it. Remember the Bob, Barbara Streisand. That's that's what we get on Duck Sauce. That I think it's got the same sort of deep vocals with the do 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 kind of beat and bass line going in the background. Moves us on to track eight. Which is feel alone. Um, the beats are all starting to blend into one by this by this um, stage of the album. So up on downtown shutdown, I got the feel that this is a very, very much an album album. By this stage, I'm feeling like it's sounding more like a Friday Arvo DJ mix on Triple J. Really, with the same beat and bass line blending from one track into the next, it's probably done deliberately. These guys are no—they're not amateurs, they're no slouches. They know what they're doing. That's obviously the vibe they were going for, and that's what it sounds like. It really sounds like a DJ playing his set from start to finish, with a few different sounds on the choruses and whatnot. Um, but really, just sort of each track blending into the next. Um, they pick it up a little bit on the next track, Brains, which has a jungle beat, much the same tempo and rhythm as everything else, but with a, a jungle beat sort of uh, sound and, and feel to it. Uh, then kicking on into Are You Here. This one mixes it up a little bit because they've got the D, it features DMAs. Well, I looked this up on, online. All it says is features DMAs. I'm not sure if that means they, the whole band uh, and, and they're playing the backing track for this one or if it's just the lead singer, but definitely the singer. You can hear him on this singing, singing the, the verse and the chorus, I believe. And I like it. I like the DMAs. I love them. I love his ethereal sort of vocals, these dreamy vocals come in and out and they really flow well. Sort of, then they're not a front. The vocals of DMAs are never right at the front. They 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 um they mesh in with the with the guitar lines and the that really well, uh, and it does the same through this track. It kind of you know fades in and out, and you kind of get a dreamy sort of uh, feel from it. So I like that track. Are you here? Featuring the DMAs. Turning the page over. We have one for you and one for me. That's, in my opinion, the best track on the album. I uh, previewed a little bit of it at the start of the podcast. Um, yeah, don't get mad at me for my DJing skills. I had it queued up on the iPhone. Press play at the, the section I wanted to play through. Let that come 
go through the section I wanted to hear. I didn't want to go over 30 seconds. I'm not, I think you can get in trouble if you go longer than about 30 seconds and then faded it down and started talking over the top. I'm sure it was a bit clunky, guys, but fuck, bear with me. I'm trying to mix it up, trying to get some sort of intro happening to make this sound a little bit better. I will find out how to, to add music 